At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Here's your host, Danny Burke. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Here to preview every single game on the NFL Week 11 Sunday slate. You know me, Danny Burke, here as always. And he is here as always to touch on every game, every Sunday. It is Mike Palm at Mike Palm Circa, where you can follow him on the tweets. Uh, Mike, we got a lot to discuss on this show. I'm looking forward to it. Naturally, we'll get an update with the Survivor Contest, the Circa Millions Contest over at your resort. We'll preview every single game on the slate per usual. We'll give out our best bets, update our records. We'll talk a little bit into the futures discussions with MVP and Coach of the Year because we have had some momentum in those awards and also Comeback Player of the Year. So I want to get your thoughts on that. And then we have to talk about VEASAN's bets giving. So you and I are partners. I'll explain the rules a little bit later in the show, but a lot to look forward to and can't wait for it to all come together. So, uh, Mike, with that being said, my man, uh, let's go ahead and start out with an update on Circa's contest for Survivor. How are we looking in that regard? And then we'll get into the teams that we would uh, most likely choose for this week. Danny, I think this is a very, very interesting week because now you come into your um, eight-day gauntlet where you really have to pick three winners because of Thanksgiving, the three games next week. So uh, we lost 29 last week. Significant. We went from 115. We're down to 86. 10 went out with the Raiders, and I kind of feel bad for them because I didn't, I didn't know uh, Matt Ryan was playing for the Colts. Obviously, that affects the handicap of that game. I was on the under. Um, a lot of people on the Raiders, uh, but they go out. 
10 people with the Eagles on Monday night as they suffered their first loss to the Commanders. Now, eight people went out with the Bears. I said this last week uh, on the Saturday night show with Brady Cannon and Mike Pritchard. Uh, That was a head-scratcher to me. There were 17 on the Giants, eight on the Bears. I went back and looked. Danny, all eight of the people that chose the Bears had the Giants available. I I didn't get that play. I, I would have used the Giants in that spot. Um, even though I like the Bears as well, and we can discuss that later. And then one with the Saints, a curious pick. There was one Saints and one Steelers, but it wasn't the same person doing a double option. So uh, down to 29. If you don't have Baltimore, don't have Baltimore, then it becomes a really interesting week. Because if you have Baltimore, yeah. you have to use them here uh, against the Panthers off the bye at home. There's a lot of three-point favorites here, Danny. I I Mm pose this question, and we can get into it as we go to each game. Which three-point favorite, if you had them available, would you take? Because, look, you got to go Sunday, and then you can use Buffalo at Detroit on Thursday and the Dolphins against the Texans on Sunday. But how do you get through this Sunday? I think it's a tough choice between the Patriots, Giants, and uh, the Commanders this week. Yeah, so you're right. That's exactly what it is. If you don't have the Ravens available, you are in a terrible position, honestly, at least what we're kind of thinking, because there's a lot of spots you can go in, a lot of uncertainties with those spots. So if you don't have the Ravens, like you mentioned, um, again, you and I record this on Thursday, so I'm curious to see how many people maybe even use Green Bay on the short week, uh, if that will be an option. It's it's a little dicey knowing how Green Bay has been, but hey, the line has moved up to three and a half in some shops. Man, I mean, like Buffalo, it's either you're saving them, you've used them, or it's going to be such a weather-oriented game. I don't really like them in that spot, per se. Eagles, you've probably used them. They're big favorites. You're going down the line. You know, the teams that I kind of circled out, Mike, um, if you didn't use the Giants last week, which you and I both were clamoring about the Giants, Mm -hmm. I would entertain the thought of them against the Lions. I would also... I wrote down the Saints, not with like certainty, but as a team I would consider because the Rams are really just that bad. But I hate the idea, Mike, of putting any faith in the Red Rocket, Andy Dalton. It just seems disgusting if you've made it this far to have to potentially get eliminated because of Andy Dalton. Um, Honestly, the other team then would be Denver. I actually think the Broncos could be a live play. And it's another tough one to trust. I think when I was still, I think I actually used Denver at the beginning of this year, and I'm sure other people did too. But that would maybe be a consideration as well, Mike. What about the Patriots? If you didn't didn't use them already, and, and some people use them, but most people that used them got knocked out against the Bears on that Monday night. Uh, so, so they're not even in the discussion. But they were a three-point favorite at the Jets, and now they're a three-point, three-and-a-half at home. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I think the Patriots are like the second choice. I would go Giants, Patriots, Washington in that order if I had to rank them. Interesting. I would probably go Giants, then Broncos would be my plays there. I actually kind of – and we'll get into it with the Jets and Patriots. I lean a little bit toward the Jets, so that's why uh, – that's why I wouldn't particularly do that. Not that I think the Jets will win outright per se, but I just like the spread spot. But we'll we'll get into that. But yeah, man, I mean, Survivor is going to be carnage this week. And then, uh, which you guys do at Circa, you have Thanksgiving as its own entity, correct? So that's just its own uh, little atmosphere that you have to choose from. Yeah, it's the three games on Thanksgiving are their separate week. And then the four games at Christmas, and we count the Monday after Christmas. Because remember... The majority of the games are on Christmas Eve on Saturday. 
three games on Christmas and one on Monday night, and they're even tougher. The spreads on those games are even shorter uh, than the Thanksgiving Day games. Damn. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see. Any update uh, significant-wise in terms of Circa Millions? Not really. We're going to be going into the second week of the third quarter, so the drama will build as we get more towards the end of the quarter. Uh, the leader, not you know, tough to continue that 80% clip, so came back to the pack a little bit in the overall. All right, good deal. Well, Mike, let's go ahead and jump into it for the full slate for NFL Week 11. Let's go ahead and start in Baltimore. The Ravens coming off a bye. They're going to be taking on the Panthers without P.J. Walker. What are they going to do? Well, they're going to go back and rely on Baker Mayfield. And in terms of Baltimore and some of their injury notes, I guess you could say Gus Edwards and Mark Andrews did return to practice. So make sure you monitor their status and see what their playing availability is going to be. 12 and a half is where this spread opened, and now it's ticked up to 13. 44 is where the total opened. Now you're seeing it down to about 42, 41 and a half, depending on where you shop. Is there anything worth playing here in this spot, Mike? I personally got nothing, so I'll leave the floor to you. It's just not a spot I love. Um, the only way I'd do anything here is if you consider a seven-point teaser with the Ravens down to six. Uh, but that's not the ideal spot either. So for me, this game is going to be a pass. But, you know, I made the Ravens future bets, and you have them as well. So there, we have action on the game. True. That is true. We got some long-term <laughs> yeah. action game by game. So we'll certainly be rooting for Baltimore, but uh, not as enticing to get involved with them as a 13-point favorite. I hear you out on that one. That will be a pass for me. Uh, Buffalo and Cleveland, I have not done anything in this game, Mike. But I could see a couple different angles here. But again, it all kind of revolves around the scheduling with this spot. So we were getting reports that potentially three to six feet of snow over 20 mile per hour winds there in Buffalo. Uh, the rumors are the game could be moved to Detroit. The last I saw moving it to Monday is not an option because of Buffalo playing on Thanksgiving against Detroit. So right now you are seeing Buffalo as an eight point favorite total at about 42 in the hook. I know Matt Humans like the under in this game. I, if it's going to actually be played on Sunday, Mike, and it's going to be as terrible weather as expected, I, I mean, I would honestly be tempted to take the points with Cleveland because they already have an established running offense. Buffalo, on the other hand, does not. So if that's what this game is primarily going to be featuring, then I think that gives a slight, very slight advantage to Cleveland, at least enough to maybe keep it within the number. Uh, I agree with you. And you can make the check the rules of where you're betting, which sports book you're betting with. Mm -hmm. You can make the bet on the under now, or you can make the bet on the Browns now. If the game gets moved to Detroit, I wouldn't like either of those plays. I would like Buffalo and over. Um, but you can make the play now. Most books are going to have in their rules if the game gets moved, it's a refund, and they'll repost a new number. At Circa, if it gets moved more than 100 miles from its uh, original location, uh, it's a refund. So. Uh, you can do that and not really take any chance because the, the, it'll be a, a, a refunded ticket. Um, snow is an interesting thing, right? Uh, they're going to run the ball, but also the defenders. Like, I always argue, you know, snow, the offense knows where they're going. The defense doesn't. So it's harder with, with the lack of footing. But when you go back and watch, I think it was the Colts and the Bills four or five years ago. I remember making a huge in-play wager. Because the end play number was set up that the only way you could lose was like having a pick six in the last two minutes. So I laid like 350 there not to happen. And it didn't because they're not throwing mm -hmm. the ball. You know, it had to be a scoop six because no one was passing the ball. And if they got it, the, the team that would have got it would have fell on it. You know, and I don't even think tried to run it in those conditions to run it back. So 
but it's hard because they like break the line, but then they go down after eight yards. So it, it, it's interesting. I think the under is the way to look here. Now, honestly, if they're really going to be that kind of a snowy conditions uh, in Buffalo, it's still a pretty big number uh, at 42. Yeah. If, if it's just going to be a running clock and both teams diving into the line three times. The Philadelphia Eagles finally lose. My goodness. Uh, we did not think it was going to come at the hands of the commanders, Mike. We were talking about some of those odds for the teams to overcome the Eagles, and we were looking at the Giants. We were looking at the Cowboys, and hey, maybe even the Packers, but certainly not Washington, but Heineke's working his magic, and he got the job done. But look, now you got Philly. They opened up as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, dropped down to seven against Jeff Saturday's squad. Total open 43 in the hook. Now it's ticked up to 45. There are a bunch of 44 in the hooks out there as well. I, I like the Jeff Saturday story. I was I didn't end up really betting it, or maybe I did in game, but nevertheless, um, I, I was rooting for Jeff Saturday just because I think it's a hilarious but also awesome story, and it was just giving more and more grief to Josh McDaniels and an indictment of how poor that Raiders team has been. Seven points? I, I mean, you can't really, I feel like, take too much out of what happened with Philly. It's the NFL. It's a tough league to win games, and so you got to appreciate every dub, and to go undefeated is obviously incredibly tough. Um, they lost Dells Goddard, so that is big, but they have all their other weapons, and they're going to be ticked off coming into this game. But is it enough to warrant laying seven with them on the road, Mike? On a short week? I don't think so. You know, I don't want to make excuses for the Eagles because they let the, the uh, Commodores control the clock. I mean, that was ludicrous, the difference yeah. in the time of possession. Yeah, they really let them run the football. Washington was able to run the football and control the – the pace of that game, but the, the whistle was so unfriendly to them. I mean, let, let's be honest here. The, the face mask that gets missed on the fumble, at that point, Philadelphia, I think, still in a good spot to drive down and win the game. They still have to do it, you know, to get the lead. And then, of course, the the, the roughing on the on the, the sudden knee and all that. Um, the commanders got four first downs via penalties in this game. It, 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 it was a confluence of events that got them to the finish line here. But to me, it's concerning the Eagles not being able to stop the run. That You know the run was coming. They, they rarely threw on first down, right? That you, you really had no threat of throwing on first down unless you got a penalty to back you up. So, And then Matt Ryan. How good did Matt Ryan look against that Raider defense? You know, I, I got lucky, I think, lucky to win the first half under. And although I had a bigger bet on the game under that I lost the 41-and-a-half total. But, you know, if the Colts don't fumble driving down the field in the second yep. quarter, that game's flying over. The Raiders really didn't stop them after the first punt. They, Matt Ryan did whatever they wanted to do. They picked up every third down. They stayed ahead of the chains. It was it was an unbelievable performance to me. So this game this game has to be a pass unless you, you – and I'm an under player. I, I, the only way I look at this game a little bit is maybe the over. Yeah, I could see that. I, I don't hate that approach. I mean, you talk about Philly's run defense, Mike. When I was looking over prop watch for that game, I took Brian Robinson over 33 and a half rushing yards. And I talked about uh, their game against Houston because, well, Houston's got a terrible run defense. But coincidentally enough, so do the Eagles. So Damian Pierce was able to get over like 130 yards. So there is a weakness to Philly, and it's clearly that run defense. So that's why I bet it. And that's exactly what the commanders did and why they controlled that time of possession. You want to keep the ball out of one of the more elite offenses' hands in the Philadelphia Eagles. You want to expose their weaker part of their defense, which is a run game. So I guess then that would also maybe put some confidence in Jonathan Taylor once again establishing the ground attack and 
perhaps the Colts keeping it close enough to a touchdown, right? Wouldn't that maybe be the incentive of looking toward Indy? Yeah, I think so. Look, don't you think they're going to try to run the ball? And they ran the ball against the Raiders. They had a yep. good mix mix of run and short pass, and then and the offense looked great. This was an offense that was 0 of 14 on third down in Foxborough the week before, and 0 of 2 on fourth down. Uh, obviously, uh, not with Matt Ryan. Um, so yeah, I think the Colts come out and try to use that same same attack, and I think the Eagles obviously um, also need to reestablish moving the chains on offense because they, you know, six minutes time of possession and a half is laughable. All right, Mike, I kind of have a ridiculous question, but uh, I, I got to ask it. If somehow the Colts win this game, is Jeff Saturday in contention for coach of the year? And he's going to coach how many games? Nine games? Uh, I don't know. I saw them bring that up and he's taken more bets than seven other. He's taken more money at MGM than Mike Grable. <laughs> That's laughable. Oh, jeez. That's laughable. <laughs> the, the other list, they can't win. So I, I get it, right? You, you take a flyer with the story. Um, I think we still have him. I think he's on the board at circuit, like 220 or 220, plus wow. 225 to one. I mean, it's it's not even serious yet at this point. So uh, we'll see what happens. Obviously, it's a, a, a nice story to shut up to everybody that laughed at the hire. But, I mean, it's one game. True. And he, they could still go one and seven or whatever under, under <laughs> yeah. him. But it's suddenly make the race in the south a little more interesting if they're viable again yeah that it does all right how about houston and washington the commanders open two in the hook now they're up to three total at about 40 and a half that really hasn't moved at all from the opener i'm assuming that the commanders are going to be the hot public team here based on what everybody saw in prime time and knowing how bad the texans are i didn't think anything was really worth it here i really could hear any side i mean you know, kind of selling high on the commanders and looking to back the Texans. I get it. But at the same time, I mean, Houston is so, so bad. I mean, in the commanders run defense is good enough to limit Damian Pierce. And then you got to force Davis Mills to make something happen. And he hasn't made anything happen all season. So uh, I don't have anything but a prop in this game. But Mike, you got anything with the side total money line? Any action here? How about this play, Danny? And it's not specific, but it incorporates this game. How about this? No Dallas Cowboys to make the playoffs plus 950. Which for this week would be a parlay of Giants, Commanders, Vikings, right? That would be the parlay because you need you need three teams to keep Dallas out of the wild card. So Seahawks really, but they're the buy off of London. So it would be going against Dallas with the Vikings. And then you would need the Commanders. Uh, you need some combination of, assuming that the 49ers win the West, some combination of Giants, Commanders, Packers, and Seahawks, three of those four teams to be better than Dallas to knock them out of the wild card, right? I think that it's worth a look at plus 950 because this Dallas defense is showing great signs of regression. I don't understand why Dak Prescott gets a pass on all these. You're up 14 twice in Green Bay. Those right. turnovers, some of those turnovers were inexcusable. I don't think Kellen Moore and McCarthy do as good a job coaching as when they have Cooper Rush and they have to manage him. They just they just keep thinking that Dak Prescott can go up and down the field and they can call any play in the playbook and it's going to work. I kind of like instead of betting all these individual games like this, uh, and you like the Packers, right? So you like the Packers tonight to win. You think they might still be alive. Um 
I kind of like the plus 950 there. And then this would obviously be like a money line better than Commanders in this game. That's a very interesting take. At first, I'm kind of like, what are you, where, where are you getting with here? But I, I see where your head's at now. I, I guess the team that would scare me would be Washington. I'm not fully invested on this Commanders team. I do think they will be competitive the remainder of the season if Taylor Heineke is their quarterback going forward. I don't know if they're going to continue to rack up the W's. This week against Houston, sure, that, that of course, would not take anybody by surprise. They're a three-point road favorite, and Houston is awful. But, man, that would uh, that would just be comical, too. And then the conversation gets even deeper with Dak Prescott and what's going on with him in that offense. Because you're right, it's inexcusable to lose that game up double digits. And even though it's at Lambeau, even though you could call it a must-win do-or-die spot for Green Bay, BS. I mean, every other pass game has been a do-or-die spot for Green Bay, it seems like. And you're right, their defense has regressed, so to speak. I, I don't hate it. Uh, I don't know if I'll personally get there just again because I'm not fully invested in the commanders. But I, I think you're right. There is certainly some value to be had with Dallas missing the postseason in an NFC that maybe not looking as dominant, but some other teams that could take the spot of the usual suspects. Listen, Dallas can't cover anybody. They're, they have to get to the passer, right? The pass rush has got to be what mm. sustains that defense. So I, I ran it by Amal Shaw. He thinks it's a dumb bet. But I kind of like it. <laughs> I, I kind of like it, and it gives you a lot of action the rest of the year. I think it's viable. And, you know, the, the yes-no sure. markets, you, you know, the, the Cowboys lose here. They're a road favorite against the Vikings. I don't know how. But the Cowboys lose here. A couple of these teams, especially if Washington wins, these odds are going to change quickly. Where you can, you can probably come back, you know, you take plus 950 and maybe you come back at minus $4 in a week or two and, and lock up a profit. But I kind of like the way it plays out with this week's schedule. Okay. Okay. I hear you, Mike. I uh, I like it. Are, are you think you're you're just considering it now, or are you actually going to make a play on that? You think? Well, I think I'm going to make a play. I got to make a play before the Packers play tonight, right? Because that affects the number. Right. So uh, I, I have to pull up, pull the trigger this afternoon. So I'm not saying for a big amount, three or four hundred bucks. Yeah. Um. But you know, I, I think the look the Commanders win this week, then they get home to Atlanta. This becomes very interesting. You're right. That it does. My goodness. Who would have thunk it that the commanders would actually be competing at this point based on what we saw with Carson Wentz, but it's the resurgence of Taylor Heineke, baby. He's bringing this team back to life. All right, Mike, uh, I tease this game a little bit that I would have a play with it, and that's with the Jets and the Patriots. So I guess I'll kind of set the stage for myself and let you get into it. But this one opened five and a half. It's dipped down to three in the hook. Some spots have a flat three, but you're laying minus the buck 20 with New England if that's the side you're opting into. Total open 39 in the hook. Consensus, uh, consensus part of me, number seems to be about 38. Jets have a 13-game losing streak against the New England Patriots. Both teams are coming off a of bye week, and if you recall, the Patriots beat the Jets earlier this season, 22-17. to I actually was on the side of New England in that game. I couldn't remember if you were, Mike, but, uh, man, that was a game that, yeah, we cashed in, but don't necessarily know if we deserve to win it because the pick six that Mac Jones threw got negated because of roughing the passer call, and that completely switched the momentum of this game. Nevertheless, both quarterbacks were terrible. Patriots were just a little bit better. Uh, you look at these numbers, and I've kind of been anti-New York Jets this season. I've been giving our colleague Jeff Parle some crap because, you know, he's a diehard Jets fan. And I kept saying, you know, yes or no. I'd bet the no for the Jets to miss the playoffs, but there was never really a viable price. And, hey, if they beat New England, you may be getting a good one now if you still subscribe to that. 
But the Jets are outgaining the Patriots in total yards and in passing. And they only average one rushing yard less than the Patriots. Defensively, the Jets really have the advantage. Uh, they're allowing just 329 total yardage to Patriots, 347. Both uh, in terms of offense, 5.3 yards per play. But defensively, the Jets allowing just 4.8. Patriots at 5.2. Jets allowing just four yards per rush attempt, which is big because the Patriots love to run the ball and not trust Mac Jones. New England allowing 4.7 yards per rush attempt. Jets allowing 9.4 yards per completion. Patriots at 10.8. You look at DVOA, and honestly, the Patriots, it's it's kind of funny because they're third overall. They're second against the pass, but 21st against the run. If the Jets are going to keep this game close, they're going to have to run the ball successfully. And we have seen in the past teams can do that, i.e. the Bears dominating the Patriots on Monday night. Jets are 6th against the pass, 10th against the run. So they're pretty stabilized in both uh, categories. Uh, New England's terrible in the red zone too. They're scoring just a touchdown 46% of the time, Mike, which is 29th. Jets are scoring a touchdown in the red zone 57% of the time, which is 11th. I think that... With this number over the key number of three, when Brady and I were talking about it, it was at like four, four in the hook, and I liked it then. And, you know, just kind of jumping in now before it maybe consensus-wise gets to three, even if it does it, if it doesn't, whatever it is. I just think the Jets are going to keep this one close. Salah's got his guys competing hard. I didn't think I'd be advocating for the Jets at any point this season, Mike. But there's nothing that Mac Jones has done that would give me any confidence in backing him. And, and this isn't me saying that Zach Wilson has done something like that, but they've at least found ways to work around it. And I just think they have the defensive advantage right now. And then, like I've already stated, I, I mean, the number being at three in the hook, I think makes it very tempting to look toward the Jets at plus three in the hook. And, well, as a matter of fact, I did bet it. So that's my play, Mike. But it seems like you like the Patriots here. So I'm curious to hear the other side. I like to tease the Patriots to plus three and a half here. Ah, and that's going to okay. be part of my teaser because I agree with you. I think it's going to be a close, low scoring game, but look, they did win. They did win and, and hold the jets down offensively in the second half in New York. They've had their number and now it goes to Foxborough. Obviously the money has come in here on the jets because this number is going to be about the same as it was when they were on the road, three in New York and mm -hmm. three at home. Um, I think you have to give some advantage to the taller, bigger quarterback, too, even though Jones hasn't played great. I just think this little Zach Wilson, I, I, I question <laughs> I question. he's a little guy. He's like my size, I think. Not, not quite, but he's a little guy, Danny. I just, I, you know, he almost needs like a big pocket around him to throw the ball that he doesn't get touched in. Um, it'll be interesting. They lose Brees Hall. I think if Brees Hall was in, I don't play the Patriots here because, to your point, the ability to run the ball with Brees Hall – is the Achilles heel of the Patriots, right? Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't go all in on the Patriots on the money line by any stretch, but I think it's close enough. And I went back and I looked. I've teased through the zero five times this year, not just on this show, but in life, and all of them have won. So I, I don't, I know there's people that subscribe to it's a negative EV play because of the zero, you're not getting that full value. I, I think it's all circumstantial when you when you play it, and I'm going to use it as part of my teaser here is Patriots plus three and a half. It is kind of funny. I think last week or whenever the last time you did it, I was like, I wonder how Mike's been doing. And then I thought about it. I was like, I don't think you've lost any of those that you've crossed through the zero. And obviously, as you just stated, you haven't. So you're right. I mean, you have the Stanford Wong that 
we talk about so many times and why historically that's been the successful play and not saying it isn't but hey sometimes uh some other ways to go about it can be viable as you mentioned it's been working for you so mike's going with the patriots teasing them through getting plus three and a half i'm taking plus three and a half with the opposing team the new york jets so uh you know, maybe we just get this to land on three and Mike and I will both be happy here. We will uh, we will take that one way or the other. All right, Mike, uh, the Giants and the Detroit Lions are the next game we are going to preview. This seems like, I don't want to say obvious, but it seems like the right play should be the Giants. But the market's going against New York because it opened four and now it's come to three. Naturally, this line being at three makes it more enticing to go with the G-men. Total open 45, eh, most spots at 45, some 44 in the hook. So I'm considering the Giants minus three. I, I didn't play it. It just seems like, and again, I don't want to say trap game. It's just a really tricky spot. And I'm sure the public's going to be all over the Giants. Uh, there's going to be high wins in this game, double digits. So maybe not as much throwing and not that there usually is with Daniel Jones. But if the weather wasn't going to be an impact, Mike, I would be tempted to bet this thing over because both of these defenses are are really bad. I mean, we knew that Detroit was their 26 in DVOA, but we're not talking about as much how bad the Giants defense is. They're 24th in DVOA defense, 23rd against the run and the pass. They're allowing 5.8 yards per play, which is 29th. Detroit's allowing six and a half, which is dead last. Yards per rush attempt allowed, the Giants allowing five and a half, that's dead last. Detroit's allowing 5.3, that's 30th. So, hey, maybe if they aren't throwing the ball, they can still get this total going over because how bad these run defenses are. If they do throw it, by the way, Giants allowing 11.2 yards per completion. Detroit at 11.8. So maybe that's why there's a little bit of love toward Detroit because the Giants defense is poor. Their luck may just run out enough. And uh, yeah, Mike, I guess I'd be leaning toward the over and a little bit toward the Giants, but haven't done anything here. I think the Giants win here. I don't like Detroit two weeks in a row on the road. And we'll get into it probably in a couple games when you talk about the Bears and Falcons. But oh. I think I think that game, that, that you're, you're fool's gold here with the Lions. They didn't deserve to win that game. No. It's, 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 it's sinful. The Bears lost that game. They were in control of the game. He had a really bad defensive holding call on him. Would have been an interception. I think the game would have been mm -hmm. done. Um, but, uh, you know, you give him credit. They still came back and won. Jared Goff in the win. He really didn't have to deal with too many elements in show. The win here in this game, I don't like the Lions at all. I haven't made this play yet, but at three, I'm really tempted to lay it with the Giants. All right. I may get there with you. We'll mm -hmm. see. But, yeah, you know what? We might as well get into the Bears game. We already touched on it. All right, Mike. I'll uh, I'll do a mini rant here, but I feel even I feel worse about it too because I know that you were on it with me and you jumped in and you're right. We were the right side in that game, and it's inexcusable to blow a 14 point lead at home against a division opponent and especially against the Detroit Lions. Now, a lot of Bears fans are going, "Oh, you know what? It's all right. You saw the progression of Justin Fields in the offense and." You know, it's just going to set them up better for a draft pick. Look, I get that. And yes, it's awesome to see the offense continue to do great on that side of the ball. And the draft pick being better, so be it. But Mike, I think it's an indictment on your coaching staff 
if you are blowing 14 point leads at home against a crap team in the Detroit Lions. Now I get it that it was Justin Fields bad pick six that didn't help and the Bears defense is awful and they weren't going to stop anybody and some of the penalties were bad and I mean, yeah, the one where they called him where he uh, it was a Jalen Johnson, I think, pushed him in the face and they called it like that was a terrible call. Don't get me wrong. But I just I don't know, man, that one made me pretty much as aggravated as I was with that commanders game too, Mike, that was on the similar playing field. And I think you and I both lost out on, on each of those games, knowing that we should have been on the right side. You know, I stopped paying attention to the game and they were up 14 really. And was focused on the Buffalo Minnesota game. And then here, here I checking the score and I just, it started the bad day for me that continued to get worse with the Raiders game. So um, it, it, it's, I had a lot of good feelings for the Bears being competitive in these spots, but that wasn't being competitive. You have to be able to put those games away. You have to you have to be um, more mature. You have to win that game at home. Not that they're going to make the playoffs, but that's a, to me it's a big regression, not progression, sure. that game. And that you can't close. You have to close. You said it, Danny. They're going to be in a lot of close games this year. They're not going to get blown out very often. Well, if you're going to be in a lot of close games, you got to learn to win. Minnesota lost all those games last year that were close. They're winning every game this year. That's the difference. That's the difference between winning a division and missing the playoffs. So, um, you know, I, 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 the Falcons, I'm just, you know, they played poorly, I thought, on Thursday night. Uh, and so you're in a spot with two teams coming off very disappointing performances in this game. Uh, if anything here, 48 and a half, I, I lean over a bit. Yeah, that seems like that would have to be the play to lean toward the over. Uh, this one opened 48. You've seen it go up to 49, 49 and a half. But like you said, at circa 48 and the hook is the number. Spread, by the way, open five. Now it's down to three in favor of Atlanta. So a little bit of love coming for the Bears. And I get it. But Mike, again, like you were just saying, like this team clearly is having issues closing at the end of games. And what, you're just hoping, if you, if you don't think they're going to win it outright, then you're kind of just hoping they lose by a field goal, and then at three, you're just pushing. So I think if you're looking to bet the Bears, you're either doing money line right now, you're teasing them up, or you're doing nothing, maybe waiting for an in-game spot. But I'm kind of with you, too. I think over would be the move because the Falcons' defense is brutal. The run defense is okay, but their pass defense is awful. The Bears' defense all around is atrocious, and they got Patterson back in the mix. They got Algier and Hunt running the ball, or Huntley, I think is his name. And, um, yeah, I mean, Mariota can at least scramble back there. And, look, the Bears had issues with Daniel Jones doing bootlegs and every other thing that had some mobility, and that's when they had their full defense. Now they don't. So Atlanta's going to be able to get their points. I have no doubt about that. And if you think the Bears can contribute as well, over seems to be the appropriate play. But I think this one will give you a lot of opportunities for an in-game bet. So I think I will wait on both fronts here, Mike. Me too. Me too, Danny. We'll see. What's the team total for the Falcons? Um, I got total touchdowns really quick as I'm scrolling down. Atlanta over two and a half total touchdowns, minus 210. Bears two and a half to go over. That's minus 125. Bears team total 23 in the hook. Overs minus 110. Atlanta team total 26 in the hook. Over yeah. under minus 110. <laughs> pass. I'll pass for now. I'd be more interested going with the Bears team total touchdowns over two and a half than the Falcons over their team total. But, well, I mean, yeah, them getting 27 isn't shocking, but. The juice is too high on the Falcons. 
the 210, right. right? You said 210 over two and a half? Yeah, for Atlanta. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, with the Bears, though, for them to get, you right. think the Bears could get three touchdowns, no, right? I'd rather, I'd rather find a three and a, um, uh, three and a half on the Falcons or something at a plus price. You know what I mean? Or a flat yeah. three. Yeah. Anyhow. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, first half total points, Atlanta 13 and a half for the first half. Overs even money. We got lucky, or I got lucky with the Chargers getting to the 14 last time. Uh, in, in that game in Atlanta at the, at the rush at the end. So it's true. Uh, I, I just think that both teams will move the ball here, Danny. I'm in agreement with you. And by the way, no Khalil Herbert. Remember, he is on the IR, so it's going to be David Montgomery as the number one guy in that game. Okay, Mike. Uh, again, I talked about this game a little bit. Denver and Las Vegas. Josh McDaniels losing to Jeff Saturday uh, didn't change anything with the Raiders personnel. And I realize that you can't really because, well, ownership doesn't really have enough uh, financially, apparently, to get rid of McDaniels on such a big contract. What happens with Derek Carr after this season? Well, perhaps a buyout, and I think that's kind of a necessity. But that's something to look forward to in the future. In terms of what we can look forward to on Sunday... I think we can look forward to a Broncos victory here, Mike. And it seems disgusting to want to back Denver, but if there's a team to do it against, it might as well be the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, the Raiders did win the first matchup at home, 32-23. to Josh Jacobs rushed for 28 carries, 144 rushing yards, and two touchdowns. And Denver, as great as they are defensively, they're fourth overall according to DVOA and third against the pass. Their weakness is defending the run game, 20th in terms of DVOA against the ground attack. So maybe you look at a Josh Jacobs prop, something to hold you over if you want to back Las Vegas. Russell Wilson, despite losing in that game, had his highest, uh, highest pass rating of the season, 125, when he played the Raiders. He went 17-25, 237, and two touchdowns. It's comical that that was his best game and they still lost. But Las Vegas ranks 32nd, dead last in defense, according to DVOA. They are also dead last against the pass, 24th against the run. Opponents getting about six yards per play against the Raiders, that's 30th. Opponents are scoring a touchdown upon entering the red zone against the Raiders, 71.4% of the time, which is also dead last. Going back to Denver's defense, they're limiting opponents to 4.6 yards per play, that's first. Opponents to eight yards per completion, that's first. Limiting opponents to scoring a touchdown in the red zone 28.6% of the time. That is also first. This Raiders team is in complete shambles. Waller's on IR. I don't know what the deal with Renfro is, if he's going to play or not, but does it really matter right now? I mean, Denver, as crazy as it seems, still has a chance for the postseason. To me, Las Vegas has been obliterated from that conversation. So you know I got to get you one money line play here, baby. So I'm on Denver minus a buck 40, Mike. Give it to me. It's going to end in a weird way. It's going to be gross. I'll pay a little bit more for that security. I'm all in on Broncos country, baby. I lay in, I'm laying the three. This is my only straight play this week here, is to lay the three. Um, there's a lot of problems in Raiders camp, Danny. There's a lot of dissension, a lot of unhappy players. Is Waller really hurt? I don't know if he's even hurt. He's not playing. Nobody wants to play here in this team. They make so many stupid mistakes on defense. And, and here's an example. They had fourth and whatever it was, a half yard at the Colts' 40 with a running clock with 2.20 left before the half. Why would you run that play outside of the two-minute warning? It makes absolutely no sense to me. They take it down to the two-minute warning and then ended up leaving the Colts with 50 seconds and let them kick a field goal. It's so dumb what they do, how they do things. They just gave Indianapolis three points in that game. Mm -hmm. you, why, would, why would you ever run it? Uh, you know, 
outside of the two-minute warning. It, it, it makes no sense either way, whether you get stopped or not. Because if you make it, you want to drain the clock. And if you don't, you want the Colts to have one less time out. So uh, they just, you know, to me, that game in Jacksonville where they totally choked off the lead when they were doing whatever they wanted in the first quarter. There, there's This is a really dysfunctional crew. The Broncos' defense is still a top-10 defense. I think the Broncos win this game, actually, um, by a touchdown or more, Danny. So there are two and a halves out there. So I'll mark you down for the two and the hook, yeah? Yeah, what, I got to like 20 or 15 cents? There may be some, but yeah, otherwise it's about like, there is a minus 115 at the Mirage out by you. A minus two yeah. and a half at the Golden Nugget doesn't look like it has juice on it. So well, we'll take it. We'll take that then. Okay. Beautiful. Mike and I sweating out Denver. That's our one play we are on the side with. I like it. We will, uh, I don't know, maybe unfortunately or fortunately riding with Broncos country. TBD, but hopefully the Raiders continue to stink for us. All right, Mike. Um, we have not talked about the Saints and the Rams. Yeah. We kind of skipped over that yeah. one. So let's go back to this. Cooper Cup on the IR. He has surgery on his ankle. He will be out for a considerable amount of time. This game originally opened pick em, Mike, and now it's gone up to the Saints laying three. Total open 38 in the hook. Now it's up to 39. I've been pretty much against the Rams for quite some time, and it's not that I've been fading them every week, but there's just no way in hell that I would ever look to back this team. I don't care if it's Wolford. I don't care if it's Matt Stafford. They're a completely one-dimensional team, and their one guy they used in that dimension is now gone. So what the hell are you going to do now? Your defense has regressed. The players are fighting each other, it seems. It's just nothing good. Conversely, Andy Dalton is a guy I do not want to trust whatsoever. Why are you not putting Taysom Hill in there at this point? I guess Jameis isn't fully healthy is what head coach Dennis Allen is saying. Otherwise, he sure as hell better be in that game because Andy Dalton ain't doing squat. You need Kamara basically to run all over the place or get like nine receptions. And if you can account for that happening, then yes, the Saints are the right side, Mike. But we just can't have that guarantee. So that's why I'm not going to touch anything in this spot. You're right. They're very tempting here. These Rams are bad. Um, the defense is just worse um, from from a personnel standpoint. And the offense, the one thing we got right last week, for, it was the Cardinals were, were the better play there. And it was even with Colt McCoy, right? I mean, they were the better team. Even the dumb, dumb Kingsbury couldn't screw that, <laughs> couldn't screw that game up. Um, I still think the Saints are, the, the Rams are dead in the water for three to five years. The Saints can still win their division here. The, the defense is good enough. Um, so, yeah, it's really tempting. It's really tempting. Haven't done anything yet. Strange McVay saying he doesn't know if he if, if Stafford has a concussion. He's not sure what's going Come on, what, yeah. what's all the what's all this subterfuge about? I mean, and Stafford's wife's on her podcast crying, begging not to put him behind that offensive line and get him killed. So, um, is that what happened? I actually didn't know that. Oh yeah, he was Kelly doing Stafford that. Was weeping, praying that they wouldn't oh, do that. To, so I mean, it's there's a lot of problems. I think the Saints win this game. Do I want to lay a field goal? No. If I could have gotten it at a pick earlier, probably would have been a play. Maybe it's an in-game approach when we see uh, a couple drives develop for each team. Agreed. It's been pretty good to fade the Rams in-game just as much yeah. as it has been pre-flop. So if you have a little patience, I'm sure you'll get just as good of a spot with the Saints if they end up being the right side. 
Okay, Mike, let's get to Minnesota. The Vikings, you have finally hopped on the Kevin O'Connell, Kirk Cousins, and the rest of the squad's train with me. And I just say that because I was high in Minnesota coming into this season. Yeah. Took him over eight and a half wins. O'Connell, coach of the year, who, by the way, is the second short shot. We'll get into that momentarily. This game, you're hearing different opinions from everybody, honestly. So it opened pick. It moved to Dallas minus one in the hook is what we're seeing. Total open 47 in the hook, and that's pretty much where it remains. I think I could really hear either side. I get that Dak Prescott has really not earned being a road favorite in this spot because of what the Vikings have done. But, Mike, I guess the other way to look at it is the Vikings are coming off such an emotionally high win in a game that they probably shouldn't have won that everybody's going to be in love with them, seeing them as an underdog in this spot and wanting to take them. And they look at Dallas losing that game in overtime. You know what I mean? It's kind of like just the opposite ends here to where, well, the Vikings let you down after being on such a high and the Cowboys, you buy low and they come through. So again, I could see both sides of the coin. Maybe the safer play would be to tease up Minnesota to seven and a half and just hoping they could keep it close. I'd maybe entertain the under, but I, I don't know, man. I, this one may just be better to sit back and watch or look for some props. So I, I, have a, I have an inkling that you may be teasing up Minnesota. Here's your second leg. Of course, that's my second leg, plus eight and a half. <laughs> Danny, I don't get this number. I made this game Minnesota two and a half. And Dallas, you mean to tell me Dallas is going to be a six-point favorite at home against Minnesota? I don't think so. Um, True. Cousins is dangerous when the team's winning, when you get an average to a slightly above average quarterback and things are going right. And you, and you got receivers, you can throw the ball in the vicinity. And I mean, that catch by Jefferson is incredible. The whole, the whole game was a fantasy, right? How, how could anybody write that story and believe that it's not a movie? Uh, Josh Allen can't lean forward to get out of the end zone. I mean, it, it's, it was, and yet they still didn't just put it away. They didn't come down and get the field goal. I don't know. I think the Vikings are playing with confidence. They've gotten behind two scores, came back and won. They looked dead in the water in Washington. They made enough plays to come back and win that game. Things are going their way. Brent always talks about how hard it is to play up there with that skull, whatever, and all that, how deafening it is. And it's such an awful atmosphere for the visiting team. I like, I like the Vikings. I think the Cowboys are fool's gold. I think the defense is no good. I think Cousins throw. What's Cousins passing yards prop, Danny? Here, I'll give a prop. You love the, the prop life. All right, let me look this one up. I don't know if it's going to be out yet. Do you have a number oh, in mind where oh. you would have it at? What do you think it's going to be, like 260? <laughs> what 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 do you think, 250? I don't know. I don't bet these props. For what Kirk you... Cousins against this Dallas defense, I would probably guess, and I'll look or I'll say it before I'm looking yeah. as I'm kind of just trying to get to the page, I would guess – that it's going to be, you said 250. I could see 250. Yeah, I could I see because Dallas's, Dallas's <laughs> run defense has gotten a little bit worse, though. Right? I mean, the Bears were still even able to run the ball. Then yep. Aaron but, Jones but that, obviously had a field day. I get it, but they're not just going to run, 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 run the ball. Because right. if they can run the ball, that sets up. You know, Cousins is pretty good on play action. Oh, he's you, great. You, yeah. you let him plant. He's very good when he, when he gets to plant, have no one around him, just try to hit a target. It's when he's in the pocket and he's got to throw over people that his, you know, his throws get errant when he's got somebody close to him. Uh, I yeah. would go over 250, 260, somewhere in that range. I would go over with Cousins. I think Cousins has a big game here. 
Okay. Yeah, I'd guess about like 248 and a half if yeah. I'm going to oh, be yeah. specific, but 250 yeah. sounds about yeah. right. Uh, scrolling down now to see, I see Dax at 252 and a half. Kirk is at 255 and a half, right in your range, yeah. 250 yeah. to 260. Is that worth a play then? I'm going to put that, but write me down for that 255 and a half over. I got you. All right. Well, we'll shop around too and see if there's a better number. I mean, that's why you have all these sites available to anybody listening. But yeah. 255 and a half is what I'm seeing at DraftKings, just the book I have pulled up as of this moment. Mike is in on that. We're hoping for another big day from our guy. Yes, our guy, Kirk Cousins. We are Team Minnesota now, Mike. And I can say that because uh, the Bears are not making the postseason. So that's the only reason I can. Danny, all right, Mike. Uh, what, what, yeah, what go price, ahead. What price did you get Minnesota at to win the North before the season? So I didn't actually pull the trigger on them to win the North. Yeah, I just did the win total over eight and a half. And then O'Connell at 20 to one for coach of the year. But they were like plus 275. Yeah. Was so tempted. And then I'm sitting here and I'm like, you know what? We say this about Minnesota every season. I'm already invested in them in two different ways. I'll hold off on the official division bet. But hey, would have been nice. That's for sure. Okay, Kirk Cousins. So 257 and a half looks to be the highest. Yeah, okay, 255 and a half is the best number. So you got okay. it. All right, we're chilling with 255 and a half. Okay, Bengals and Steelers. Cincinnati open five and a half point favorites on the road against their division foe, the Pittsburgh Steelers. But the market's telling you, hey, maybe that's a bit too much. Now it's at four. Even three in the hook I'm seeing at one book out in Las Vegas. 42 in the hook is where the total open, Mike, and now it's down to 41. In terms of injuries, uh, the biggest one to note, Minka Fitzpatrick. Apparently, Mike Tomlin said they're optimistic about him being back in the mix. You and I were on the Steelers last week, or at least we both liked them. Mm -hmm. I had them in the teaser. And, um, yeah, they came through and uh, just beat a crappy Saints team. It wasn't pretty, but they ended up pulling away. Are they going to be able to do enough to keep it close against Cincinnati in this spot, Mike? I hope because of my bet on the, you know, on the season win total for the Steelers, they're still alive. <laughs> That's right. They're, they're, they're scratching their way here and picking up a win here and there. Um, <laughs> look, the Bengals have started to take a lot of action in the markets. I mean, I was just looking, uh, I was just looking at our AFC futures. Like the Bengals are the fifth choice in the AFC right now, which is, is pretty interesting. The Chiefs for the first time, the favorites to win the AFC at Circa. Uh, with the Bills losing two in a row, and then Ravens, Dolphins, Chiefs, and then it's a long way back to Titans as the sixth choice. So um, mm. the Bengals have played well. They put a lot of points on the board. These division games are always ugly. These teams hate each other, and Tomlin's so good getting points, right? I mean, what is he, 13-3-1 in his last 17 as an underdog or something like that? So I'll, I'll, I'll watch, and I'll root for the Steelers to win the game, but I can't really get involved at four. Would we talk about kind of unconventional teasers? Would teasing a Pittsburgh over ten be tempting to you? Yeah, but couldn't you see? I mean, would you be shocked if we said the Bengals scored scored thirty one here? So that's why yeah, I yeah. that first game. Remember the first game, Steelers got way ahead, and the Bengals came back and went to overtime or whatever. And the Steelers shocked them and won in Cincinnati. So revenge angle here too for the Bengals. Okay, Mike, let's do Sunday night football before we get into our official best bets. Chiefs and Chargers. The Chargers made it close against the 49ers, but uh, Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo pulled away at the end. Kansas City opened as a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Total 50 up to 51. By the way, the spread's pretty much still at five-and-a-half, although some spots do have six. I'm hearing a lot of chatter that the Chargers could be the right side or that a lot of people prefer the Chargers in this game. And 
I'm kind of torn, Mike. I think, again, this will be a really great in-game betting opportunity because of the offenses that are present right now and the Chargers presumably getting back Keenan Allen. I think they're still going to be missing Mike Williams. I'll have to double-check on that. But Kansas City's kind of in this part of the season. I guess, you know, granted, they, you know, dominated Jacksonville. That was the other leg of my teaser. But, like, beforehand against Tennessee, like, this is kind of the part where they start to slow down a little bit maybe and make it a tad bit uncomfortable. Can the Chargers do enough to cover that number? Can they win this game outright, Mike, if they get Keenan Allen back and their defense just isn't completely killing them? They're this loser's Chargers. Look. <laughs> Did they even score in the second half Sunday night? Uh, that's a joke. Look, I had such a nice middle setup. I needed a touchdown in the last two minutes. I needed either the Targers to go down and kick a touchdown to win, I, or then they turned it over in San Francisco in second and goal up to two and couldn't punch it in. I had this beautiful middle that would have got me out for the whole day. Uh, I ended up cashing the bigger side I had of it, which was which was an end game under. But they can't even do that. Look, they get the ball twice in the last two minutes. They didn't get it first down. It's amazing after they went up and down the field in the first half. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, hard to bet this game under because I think both teams will score uh, yeah. score point. You're playing with no conditions, right? I mean, I think the game went under at SoFi last year, but they like both teams were like one of one of six on goal to go and scoring touchdowns and kept turning it over inside the ten and getting stuffed at the goal line and all that. Uh, I don't know what I'll have Sunday night. I'll probably end up trying to get some version of the over or a first half over or a team total over something like that. But I can't have this, this chargers, they just, they don't do it. They don't, that was a chance they had to win that game in San Francisco and really make themselves viable in the, in the West and in the wild card picture. And they just, they can't get over the finish line. So um, 27 to 24 is how the first game ended at Kansas city. Remember Kansas city winning that game. That's when Herbert got hurt with his ribs and kind of was affecting him the next several games. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, both did return to practice on Wednesday. So keep that in mind. The first game they played last year at Kansas city, 30 to 24 also went over the total. And then the one uh, at SoFi was Thursday night, Mike, that was the overtime game, 34 to 28. So the last three meetings, have gone over between these teams. Again, it seems like the chalky, obvious play, but I may get there with this total going over. Nothing right now, but man, it's tempting. Even the game in 2020, 38-21, that was the final. Then the one before that, week two, still in the overtime, but it was 23-20. to So uh, it's kind of been volatile, but a lot of points for the most part have been occurring between both these teams. And now you're getting back your top two weapons if you're Los Angeles in Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, presumably. Danny, what's the Chargers' first half record? Can you find that quickly? I mean, they won the first half of this game. Remember, the pick six really turned this game around with Herbert. They won the first half in San Francisco the other night. Hmm. Well, I'll keep searching, see if we can't find it. I'm getting... Yeah, I don't know why they're not letting me get the first halves here. All right, well, I'll keep looking. We'll see what it ends up being for the record. Uh, in terms of this game, though, too, uh, like you said, you're thinking if, if they're catching over three or would you need it three specifically, would that be good enough for you? I might take three. I'm not saying anything specifically, but uh, I might take a three in this spot. They were beating the Raiders 17-3 to three at half. <coughs> they were beating the Chiefs 10-7. to seven. I know they lost to the Chargers. They were beating the Texans 27-7. to seven. That's three and one. Um, they were tied with the Browns at half 
in that game. So that was probably a pick The game was one. The Broncos game, they lost. That's two losses. Uh, the Falcons game, they won the halftime. And last week, they won. So they're like 6-2-1 and one in first halves or 5-3 and three at the worst. So I might look at that. Yeah, I, I don't know why I can't find this right now. But anyways, the Chargers are scoring 14.7 first-half points per game. Kansas City's at 15. So, hey, maybe you could even look at the first-half total over, although it's 25-and-a-half, so it's a little bit high. What, but what's I, the Chargers, I, I like your angle there. What's the Chargers team total in the first half, 11? First half, yeah, 10-and-a-half is what we're seeing. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Kansas yeah. City's at 13-and-a-half. Yeah. There we go. Mm -hmm. So 10-and-a-half, if you do that over, Mike, plus 110. I like that better. Let's get okay. over 10 and a half charges. At plus 110. Yeah. Plus 110. Okay. There you go. Cool. All right. We'll count Mike in for that. We'll see if we can eventually find those first half numbers. But nevertheless, uh, Mike is in regardless. So he will be sweating out Sunday night. Chargers to score some points. And I may get there with a full game total going over. But TBD, make sure you check out VEASAN.com for any additional plays that we may have added to our slip. All right, Mike, uh, in summation, let's do our best bets, updated records, then we'll talk a little bit about futures and briefly about VEASAN bets giving. So best bets-wise, last week I got you ending up 2-2, two and two, now with an overall record of 19-9. and nine. You had the over 48 in the hook, Dolphins and Browns. You cashed mm -hmm. that in. You cashed in your teaser with the Seahawks up to plus 9.5 and, and the Cardinals up to plus 8.5. Then the Bears screwed you like they screwed me. And then the under for the Colts and the Raiders – 41 in the hook uh, scored more than we probably all thought. So you went two and two last week, but again, 19 and nine overall uh, right now. I've got you what you have the teaser on the pats to plus three and a half Vikings to plus eight in the hook. You got the Broncos minus two in the hook. You just did the chargers team total first half over 10 and a half at plus 110. And then I know I'm missing one or two more. Kirk cousins over 255 and a half. <laughs> I love it. Kirk Cousins over <laughs> 255 and a half passing yards minus 115. Beautiful. All right. So that's all you got dialed up right now. And then if you want a kind of a long shot quarter unit, half unit, you're looking at Cowboys to miss the playoffs. But that's more of a uh, if, you, if you want some action long term for a bigger payout type of play. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's a fun bet. And, and I think I would make that number something more like six to one. I just think nine and a half to one is too high. Maybe I'm overvaluing the Commodores uh, and the Packers' ability to still make some noise. Um, but I think it's a fun bet, and it gives you, you know, action on like five teams every week. I dig it. All right, Mike. Well, in terms of what I got uh, really quick last week, ended up 6-4 and four from Thursday night to Monday night. Really quick, Brian Robinson Jr. over 33.5 rush yards, hit it. Jalen Hurts over 1.5 passing touchdowns, hit it. Bucks Seahawks under 44 in the hook we cashed in. We cashed in on our seven-point teaser with the Chiefs minus 2.5. Steelers plus 8 in the hook. We also hit Barkley over 92.5 rushing yards. Mike, I'm telling you, it's a cash cow to fade the Texans in terms of betting the opposing team's starting running back rushing props over. That is discussed in Prop Watch for this week, by the way. Uh, Darnell Mooney over 42.5 receiving yards. Cashed in on that. Still salty as hell about the Bears losing, so that was a loss. McCaffrey over rushing yards did not expect Elijah Mitchell coming back into the mix. He was activated off the IR on Saturday. We made the bet on Thursday. It is what 
it is, but we lost on that one. We lost on Patterson over rushing yards and PJ Walker over passing yards on Thursday night. So six and four last week, 43 and 41 overall. This week, I took three in the hook with the Jets over the Patriots. And then I'm also with you on the Broncos, except, you know, I'm always sliding in a money line play minus a buck 40 with Denver over Las Vegas for my two plays. And then I'll have some more in prop watch, like I always say. But that's what I got rocking with for NFL Week 11. So those are our best bets. Again, before we get to the description and uh, just a little strategy with Visa and bets giving, I did want to briefly talk about the futures market, Mike, and just some things I wanted to throw out there and see if you had any thoughts on it. So in terms of the MVP market, it looks like Tua Tungavailoa has leaped over Jalen Hurts in some shops. If we're just kind of looking at DraftKings and, and seeing where their odds are at. And I'm not exactly sure what you guys are having at Circa right now. But, man, I mean, I didn't think it would get impacted that much by one game, but plus 125 for Mahomes. Two is plus 350. Hertz is 5-1. Allen's 6-1. Allen is done. We can stop talking about him, I think. But those top three guys, I think that's the right choice. But, man, I still see some value potentially with Jalen Hurts despite the loss. Maybe. Who is very interesting now, right? They haven't lost a game that he played the whole game. Uh, and that offense, just the, all that speed. I like the way – I don't like McDaniel as a game manager. I think he's got a long way to go with some of his decisions. But I like the way they use the running game where they slam up there those quick runs inside. They're very effective. They get four, five, six yards and keep them ahead of the chains. And then it just seems like every week two is thrown to wide open guys. I know they're fast. Yeah. But they're still beating these defenses, right? The scheme is good. So, two. We, when we, uh, you know, you talked when I started talking about two, it was still like eight to one. I, I think mm -hmm. it's a very interesting choice, especially with the loss to the Eagles. I'm telling you, the team result matters, and that loss hurt. You know, if, if they had gone, you know, the more games they went, obviously, the much better chance hurts has. So, okay, so you could do Tua at that price, and a large part of that is because of their speedy receivers, their head coach, and obviously you have Mike McDaniel in consideration for coach of the year. He's not at the top, but he's in the combo, and then that comes to what bet you loved last week, Tyreek Hill, Offensive Player of the Year. Now, after this past week, Justin Jefferson went over Tyreek Hill. Jefferson, I'm seeing plus 250. Your guy Tyreek Hill's at plus 350. Hurts, by the way, 6-1. to one. Uh, you still think Hill is worth the play over Jefferson after that catch? Well, the one catch isn't going to win the award. We'll, we'll have <laughs> no, to see but... what, happens, what happens the back half of the season here. But it's it's interesting. They've both been they've both been fantastic. Do you think? And, and I know it's not that much value, but is it worth to maybe dabble in on both of them? Uh, it's a little too short, I think, to do both with a, with an award. If somebody gets hurt, one of them's out yeah. of it. You know what I mean? So I, I would just stick where I'm at right now. Okay. All right. Then I got comeback player of the year. This was pretty fascinating because Saquon was a huge favorite up until we started officially giving recognition or the betting market did at least to Geno Smith. Then it was Geno Smith as the big favorite. You could have got Saquon for plus money and then the Seahawks lose to the Bucks. Well, now you got Smith minus 110, Saquon minus 115. I don't know. I... This is why it's important to keep an eye on it, Mike, because they fluctuate so intensely. Like, okay, it's one loss for Geno Smith. Like, at some point, the dude's going to lose. So why'd you make him such a big favorite? It's not like he's going to go undefeated the rest of the year. So if you like Geno Smith, I, I still think he's probably your top choice. And Saquon should probably be right behind him because a quarterback always gets sort of the nod. But 
Man, I, I don't know. Is it even worth playing it, though, now, if you got to lay minus 115 or minus 110? I refuse to bet this category. I don't understand what it means. I don't know. Does anybody really – what's the criteria? What's he coming back from? A person being good for the Stinking. first time in the but, – But, yeah, but if somebody was good and then they were bad and then they're good, they came back. If somebody was never right. good but got better, what'd they come back from? There's no coming back. I don't get it. The injury – I mean, either it's an injury or they came off a horrific year. You know, from from at one time being good, I don't get it. Forget that category. They should have. I don't know. They should have a most improved player and then a comeback player, right? Separate the two. Correct. That's two different things. No, oh, absolutely. NBA does uh, most improved player. It would make sense for the NFL to do it too. Okay, uh, the last one that I'll talk about, Coach of the Year. Sirianni's still the short shot, even money at DraftKings. But Kevin O'Connell, who I am sweating out, who I kind of lost a little bit of faith in, but after beating the Bills, now O'Connell's 4-1, to one, Mike. Dable 6-1, to one, McDaniels plus 750, Robert Salas 8-1, to one, and Pete Carroll dropped to 11-1. to one. Um, This one, man, this could really go any direction. Yeah, Pete Carroll lost one game, but again, they're not going to go undefeated, so he shouldn't have dropped that much. If Salah and the Jets keep winning, I could see it, I guess. But I just think Sirianni or Dable may have a slight leg. Even McDaniel, of course, at plus 750. I mean, the Dolphins could win the division now, Mike. This thing's all over the place. And then O'Connell, they have the easy schedule. So does Sirianni. So I don't know, man. I I'm stuck on my O'Connell bet. But what would you do? If you told me I have to bet one of these right now, I would bet Dable at 6-1. to one. What, what a job if this team makes the playoffs. They suck just as much as the Jets have. I mean, these two New York teams have been horrific for five, six years, right? They've not even been competitive. And this guy, the market doesn't respect the Giants. They're a dog or they're a two-point, three-point favorite every week. They never get any love. And they win all these games that are supposed to be toss-ups, right? So True. I think he's doing a good job. He's doing a good job with Danny Dimes. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They, they just And they play well enough in the fourth quarters to pull away or come back in these games. I'll take Debo at six to one because he's just so much more of a value than Sirianni at, at just one twenty-five or whatever he is. All right, there you have it, Mike. If he had to do it, would be looking uh -huh. at Brian Dable about six to one over at DraftKings for Coach of the Year. And like I said, I will be sweating out O'Connell at my twenty to one ticket. Now he is four to one, so I will be a Vikings fan because you're backing them and because I am personally invested in Minnesota. So we are high on the Vikings. All right, Mike. Before we head out, like I said, we're going to be talking about. Our contest at VEASAN, much like the pentathlon, which came down to the wire. I know uh, you and Amal were cruising, and then it came down to me getting the bad beat with a pinch hitter being taken out and the follow the money crew taking it home. Uh, maybe it will be coming down to the wire once again for VEASAN's bets giving. So basically, it's going to be the stretch of games throughout Thanksgiving. And uh, it's going to be just like the pentathlon. All bets will be a hypothetical $100 specific bets made on each day so on thanksgiving you and i are partners we're going against 15 other participants all the shows and then guys like steve mackinan josh applebaum adam burke jvt matt humans parles wilson and the rest of the shows on vsin on thursday we'll have to bet any of the bets throughout the three nfl games on friday and this is where you're going to step in for sure mike usa and england for soccer any bet you can find you are the resident soccer guy, at least in terms of uh, you and I. So I will be handing over the reins for you there. Saturday, the 26th, any side or total from one of the three rivalry games with Ohio State, Michigan, USC, Notre Dame, Bama, and Auburn. And then Sunday, three NFL games. We'll have to do one side, one total, one money line. 
And then between Indy and Pitt on Monday night, one side and one prop. So again, $100 on each bet. Mike and I are teaming up. We got a lot of work to do. We'll update it next week. Uh, and hopefully we can cash in some winners and uh, get ourselves the trophy and uh, redeem ourselves from not coming through on the pentathlon. But Mike, uh, how are we feeling about this contest? I'm very bitter from the pentathlon because Amal would not take my prop bet. And he, we switched our prop bet on that last day, the Thursday or whatever. Mm. And my prop bet would have we would have won the contest, Danny. I said Dansby Swanson anytime home run plus four twenty five against Annabelle Sanchez in a mall. This was the when that uh, Kansas City came to Toronto and everybody was out with COVID. And, oh, and we, okay. instead instead we bet will both teams score. Oh, at like plus five fifty. <laughs> and, and it was two to one and it was Kansas City that won the game. It was like we ended up having to have, hope Kansas City held Toronto scoreless when it was. Anyhow, I told them all, Annabelle Sanchez will walk Acuna on four pitches to start the game, and he'll have to throw Dansby Swanson two fastballs. He walked him on four pitches, <laughs> second fastball, he hits a home run. You're kidding. I was sick. Oh I think Amal was more sick because it hit right away. <laughs> we would have won it. I got very bitter about the whole – I wasn't even paying attention to all that nonsense and oh, all the man. Giants. A burns twelve strikeouts. They win this try and all that stuff that happened at the end. Anyhow, it'll be fun. Oh, Did you man. see the odds? Right. Did you see the odds that were posted at Circa? Oh, that's right. I uh, I gotta I gotta bring that back up. You and I were a little bit down the list. They're not giving us too much respect. Let me see where Better this is. Better than a and Dave. We're still shorter that's than a mall and Dave. And I, I thought that Bill AD and Hoops Peterson being the long shot, co long shots, was also very appropriate. Yeah, Bill 80 getting involved. You love to see it. Um, I saw someone, I think it was Lou Finicaro, saying he was going to bet the house on Dave Tooley is a long shot at 16 to 1. All right, so here are the odds. All right, and these, so these are posted, these are courtesy of Circa officially? Yeah, for Jeff Benson, because I asked Chris Bennett to do it and he made everybody 17 to 1. So, I mean, that was no fun. So <laughs> He didn't want to hurt what? any feelings. No, he said, why is one show better than another? I said, yeah, it's supposed to be a point of discussion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's here's how it's looking. Uh, follow the follow the money is seven to one. A numbers game with Gil Alexander plus nine fifty. Humans and JVT both at eleven to one. The Lombardi line and Veasan prime time are twelve to one. Veasan final countdown. Adam Burke thirteen to one. You and I for the Veasan Pro Football Betting Podcast at fourteen to one. Josh Applebaum and Veasan big bets at fifteen to one. Dave Tooley sixteen to one. Pro Football Blitz at plus 1750. At 18-1, he got VEASAN live bet tonight along with Steve Mackinnon. Live bet Saturday with Parles and Wilson, 19-1. Then the Greg Peterson experience, 20-1. Bill 80 at 20-1. Objectively speaking, Mike, before we head out, where would you be putting your money on this race? Uh, I wish I could put humans and JVT together. Yeah. But they're separate entries, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What are Wes and Femi? So they are eighteen to one. That's pretty good value. I bet I bet Wes at eighteen to one. Um, I like that. I think the Tim Murray and Sean King they're too low because they always try to make illegal bets. I would have made them a lot higher. <laughs> Uh, Lombardi, Lombardi might give out some good bets, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't wager. 
uh, and Patrick bets soccer. So I'd make them a, a longer price as well. Uh, yeah, I would take, I'd spread my money out and I would take humans. I'd make three bets. I'd make humans, JVT, and, uh, and Femi and Wes. I'd make those three bets. Okay. I agree with you, actually. I like that. I think we have some decent value at 14-1. to 1. I think we're going to give this one a run for their money. Uh, we'll be doing it through the DraftKings well, app, by the way, for everyone who wants to follow we, along. Danny, that's our advantage. You're in a DraftKings state, so you don't have to learn how to use DraftKings. Everybody else is taking <laughs> tutorials to try to figure out how to get that's their right. You can do it right there. I love it. We already got a leg up in the competition. People are not going to be getting their bets in in time. So <laughs> we'll be set there. Oh, man, that'll be good. But Mike and I will be discussing it next week. It is going to be more of a unique show, by the way. Uh, we'll be recording on Tuesday for every NFL game. And then we'll discuss some of our bets that we got for VEASAN's Betsgiving. But, man, should be a fun one. And uh, hopefully we can bring some excitement and joy throughout this upcoming holiday. But Mike, it's been an awesome show, my man. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Mike Palm Circa. As for myself, at Danny Burke 5 Again, any additional plays will be available at vsin.com. And make sure you listen to Prop Watch, where I dish out my top props for all the games in NFL Week 11. Best of luck, folks. Thank you for listening, and take care.